sincere la verdad honesta, to lie the honest truth. Introduction. Nobody in the world paid any attention. Rezud Kapusinski was, at least partially, right about that. Few people in the world were paying attention to Central America in 1969. Fifty years later, few people in the world are paying attention to Central America now. A little more than 50 years ago, there was a war fought between the Central American nations of El Salvador and Honduras. The military assault began on July 14, 1969, when the armies and air forces of El Salvador attacked Honduras, and the war ended on July 18, 1969, 100 hours later. To some, the war has become known as the 100-hour war, or the 100 hours war. To others, if they are familiar with the Spanish language, it is La Guerra del Fútbol, or, in English, the Soccer War. Rizard Kapusinski was a writer and journalist who reported about the war. In his writing, he describes how he was there, in Honduras, as the war started, continued, and ended. Some of his experiences are described in a book in which he writes that hours before the war began, he went to Honduras on a tip from his friend, Luis Suarez, who said a war between the two nations was about to start. Luis Suarez said there was going to be a war, and I believed whatever Luis said, wrote Kapusinski, who was from Poland, which is important, as he was the only foreign correspondent in Honduras when the war began. Several years later, he wrote a book about the war in his native Polish, and called it Vojna Futbolova. In English, the book is called The Soccer War. And I believed whatever Luis said, Kapusinski wrote. It is interesting to me that we so often believe what other people tell us about a small bit of the universe that they witnessed when we did not witness that small bit of the universe for ourselves. We believe stories that others tell us about their lives, their dreams, their pasts, their ancestors, other people, other places. Sometimes those stories can be fantastical and extraordinary, defying logic and laws of nature. Traditional tales are often like this. Science can be too. Religion is sometimes like this, and sometimes we believe people despite everything we've ever known to be true being contrary to what they tell us. We trust in the stories and the people who tell them to us. To say it another way, we put our trust in them. But what happens when we shouldn't? How do we even know that we shouldn't? Much of this story will involve the 20th century conflict between East and West, capitalism and communism, Washington DC and Moscow, 
United States and the Soviet Union. Here, I'd like to invoke a Russian proverb that was made famous by President of the United States, Ronald Reagan, in the 1980s. Dovryai no proveryai. Trust, but verify. That is what I have attempted to do with regard to Rezard Kapusinski's book, The Soccer War. Rezard Kapusinski said he believed in his friend, Luis Suarez. Should we believe Rezard Kapusinski? Should you believe me? If you trust me, please follow me as I look into the soccer war. At first, let's trust Kapusinski too. Then, let's verify what he tells us. Then, let's see where this story goes. Finally, let's see if you still trust me in the end. Kapusinski writes in The Soccer War that Suarez's tip came after reading a report in a paper about a 1970 World Cup qualifying soccer match between El Salvador and Honduras. Kapusinski writes, in Latin America, Luis said, the border between soccer and politics is vague. There is a long list of governments that have fallen or been overthrown after the defeat of the national team. The importance of football in Latin America is a topic of hundreds of books, written and translated into dozens of languages. Writers, journalists, and thinkers have spent lifetimes in effort to make known the place of football in the culture of Latin America. One of the most famous and often referred to books about the sport was originally written in Spanish, El Fútbol a Sol y Sombra, or Soccer in Sun and Shadow, by Eduardo Galeano. I'll discuss more about Galeano soon, but right now, I'll share a thought that he wrote about the soccer war in the aforementioned El Fútbol a Sol y Sombra. Soccer, metaphor for war, at times turns into real war. Then, sudden death is no longer just a name for a dramatic way of deciding a tied match. These days, soccer fanaticism has come to occupy the place formally reserved for religious fervor, patriotic ardor, and political passion. As often occurs with religion, patriotism, and politics, soccer can bring tensions to a boil, and many horrors are committed in its name. This war was called the Soccer War because the sparks that set off the conflagration were struck in the stadiums of Tegucigalpa and San Salvador. Galeano didn't only write about football. Born in Uruguay in 1940, he was a writer who wrote with a tendency to support the leftist side of politics. His work spanned decades. One of his most famous works, Las Venas Abiertas de América Latina, or The Open Veins of Latin America, published in 1971, remains controversial and important among Latin American and leftist politicians. I'll talk more about that book later in this project, but right now, let's return to Rezard Kapusinski and the events of the soccer war. Kapusinski writes that his conversation with Suarez took place in Mexico City, though, as one sometimes finds in Kapusinski's writing, there are testimonies by others that differ somewhat from his account. And I'll talk a lot more about that in a future episode. 
both Kapusinski and Suarez were war journalists at a time when bloodier and more noteworthy wars were being fought elsewhere in the world. The effort and need required to justify international travel, even the relatively short distance from Mexico to Honduras, was greater than it is today, as was the expense. It seems that these matters weighed on Kapusinski. He writes, do you think it's worth it going to Honduras? I asked Luis, who was then editing the serious and influential weekly Siempre. I think it's worth it, he answered. Something's bound to happen. I was in Tegucigalpa the next morning. The book The Soccer War contains more stories about Africa than Central America. The politics, wars, and movements within the book's pages largely take place in African nations and describe the struggles and sacrifices of people on the African continent. Kapusinski wrote several books about areas of Africa. To read his life's work, it is clear that Africa was a source of stories and inspiration for him for decades. One of the parts of the soccer war that is most important for readers is that it describes world events from decades ago, which many of us didn't see until recently. That the human conflict that dominates the world is north-south rather than east-west. To put it far too simply, it is argued that the nations and peoples of northern latitudes have imposed their order and dominance upon the populations of southern latitudes. For the almost 50 years of the Cold War, Washington and Moscow, London and Warsaw, Paris and Berlin were the cities where control rested, but the lives led and lost in Cairo, Lagos, Kinshasa, Nairobi, Mexico City, Medellin, and, as during the soccer war, Tegucigalpa, were as important. The people in those places were worth paying attention to. How did Kapusinski find these stories? And what made him go to places so far away from his home city to find them? Why did he pay attention when, as he writes, no one else was? The war from which the soccer war takes its title was a Latin American war, and it is only 30 or so pages of the book's total 233. The rest of the stories therein, Kapusinski writes about his time as a journalist reporting the efforts of people on the African continent to achieve independence from European control, and their fights against often violent regimes that replaced them, dominating entire countries and establishing new governments and institutions in a world split apart by East versus West. Kapusinski writes hundreds of pages describing the people, politics, and conflicts that surrounded the African struggles of the 1950s, 1960s, and 1970s. Congo, Nigeria, Ghana, Algeria, nations and populations, leaders and armies, powers and parties of whom we, or at least I, reading from the safe distance in time of 21st century United States, have heard of, yet do not know. To speak for myself, I hadn't been paying attention. I wasn't even one of the aforementioned nobodies who were. Now, I am. Perhaps I am lucky to be one of the nobodies now.
when he arrived in Tegucigalpa, Kapuscinski sought methods to transmit his dispatches to Warsaw and found few places with accessible telex machines, one of which was being used by the president of Honduras on the first night of the war. Kapuscinski writes about a conversation he had with a hotel clerk on that night, in which he said, I know Honduras well, I lied, and know that its people are renowned for their hospitality. I was sure they would not refuse me. It was very important that the world find out the truth about who started the war, who shot first, and I could assure them that I had written the honest truth. I know Honduras well, I lied, Kapusinski wrote. Kapusinski tells us that he lied in the midst of relating this story, and then, two sentences later, he writes, I could assure them that I had written the honest truth. Where is the border between a lie and the truth? How is it staked out? How do we find it? Who guards it? It has been argued that political borders in many ways are anachronistic, but perhaps this is the nature of political borders. Even those that are delineated by mountains, rivers, bodies of water can be crossed or dismissed. Some are guarded by soldiers with weapons. Some are economic. Some are imagined. During the soccer war, El Salvador and Honduras disputed a political border and the cost of that dispute was borne by the participating militaries, civilians that were caught in it, and those generations that have followed. All defended the truth. All battled lies. The importance of truth to those involved proved, and still proves, to be quite an irony, for it is not necessarily within the pages of this book that the whole truth of which Kapusinski writes is told. In those pages, the soccer war is described as being fought and lives lost. Throughout the book, Kapusinski presents signs of a violent fight for something ancient, omnipresent, and eternal. Territory. The scenes Kapusinski describes are filled with violence, alternating with calm, chaos, and control. In every single place, on every single page, in all of the lives and conflicts, two powers linger in the distance impressing themselves like invisible weights. Those powers are Kapusinski's East and the West, where he became a voice of truth from beyond its, our, borders. I have made Mentir La Verdad Honesta, as I'm sure you have already noticed, the title of this project, To Lie the Honest Truth. To lie the honest truth seems an obvious contradiction, a paradox, and yet it is in so many ways the inescapable principle of our time. To lie the honest truth. Is there a phrase that better describes our politics, our economic interests, our entertainment, even our sports? To lie the honest truth. I found that it's hard to not repeat that phrase over and over now that I've thought it, and importantly, I am starting to wonder if I should believe what Kapusinski is telling me, because that thought in my head has its origins in his writing, to lie the honest truth. After I read The Soccer War in 2010, 
I read more of Kapusinski's books. I read The Shadow of the Sun, which is about Africa. I read Another Day of Life, which is about Africa. I read The Emperor, which is about Africa. I read Imperium, which is about the Soviet Union. Of course, I have not read everything that Kapusinski wrote, and not all of his book-length works, but I have read and reread several, and also I have read biographies and remembrances of the man, as well as listened to and read interviews with him and about him. As mentioned earlier, African politics are at the center of Kapusinski's work. I think it's important to talk about his work and his attitude toward what was commonly referred to during his times as the Third World, too. There are significant inconsistencies between what happened and what Kapusinski wrote, but a minor inconsistency in his work is his relation of the story of why he went to Tegucigalpa that week in 1969. What he stated clearly as to why he went to Honduras is different than a passage from Artur Domoslavsky's award-winning and controversial biography of Kapusinski written in 2012. In that book, Kapusinski is described as being at an Acapulco resort with Poland's ambassador to Mexico. Domoslavski writes, armed conflict is just beginning between Honduras and El Salvador, a conflict which, thanks to Kapusinski's reportage, will go down in history as the soccer war. A group from the embassy goes off to the ocean, to Acapulco, where the capital's middle class relaxes at weekends. The Polish ambassador, Rizard, and his wife, Irina, have rented a house and are waiting for the Kapusinskis to arrive. If he had chosen the sunshine and the ocean, the soccer war would never have happened. If Alicia, his wife, had held him back, maybe it wouldn't have either. Remember, Kapusinski writes in the soccer war that he was acting on a tip from his friend, that he was in Mexico City one day and in Tegucigalpa the next. Perhaps the timeline is complicated and he stopped off in Acapulco in between? Perhaps he simply left that out? I doubt that. To lie the honest truth. The war that has become known as the soccer war happened, would have happened, was inevitable, had Kapusinski not been there. Here we have his biographer, years after Kapusinski's death, writing that the war would not have been known were Kapusinski not there to report it. Of course, Domoslavsky is not saying that the bullets wouldn't have been fired, the planes not flown, the armies not mobilized, the lives not ended. He is saying that were it not for Kapusinski and the name that he gave to the war, no one would have known that the war happened. No one would have known about the bullets, the planes, the armies, the lives. Nobody in the world would have paid any attention. Reading those lines, I realize that this includes me. This is something that I learned from reading the soccer war. The value of a war is that we know about it. 
The value of a war is that we are aware that it exists. The value of a war is that we know of its victors and its victims. And there are both. Perhaps the same people are both. The value of a war is that there are people who are each. The act of lying the honest truth can be frightening when it is witnessed. We desperately want to identify failure and pain to recognize the victims and the victors. Within that fear, one may find knowledge buried. To find it, I looked in places hinted at by this book of Kapuscinski's. I found directions in which this book pointed, sources and stories not necessarily waiting for some kind of synthesis with the more popular story told by Kapuscinski, but waiting year after year for some kind of acknowledgement and truth. They were not comforting to find. They are not comforting to know and they are not comforting to understand. Paying attention rarely is comforting, and it's never cheap. There is a cost, and we have become accomplished at avoiding it. We embrace distractions that we think may have little or even nothing to do with something as distant and past as a war in Central America in the 1960s. I discovered remarkably early on in this search that that war in Central America in the 1960s was nowhere near as remote as I thought. It is here, right here with us, right now. I first read the soccer war in 2010, 41 years after the war. I sought out the book and found a copy of it in a library in Ohio, a copy that had gone unread for years, perhaps even unopened, if the faint odor and feel of dust on its cellophane-wrapped cover were a clue. I began to read it, and then I sought out my own copy in which I could mark the pages in pen as I read. I read The Soccer War because I was told in a bar by a possibly inebriated acquaintance during the 2010 World Cup that the World Cup means more to Latinos. They fight wars over it. I was told. As if to bolster that claim, the acquaintance mentioned a war that was fought amongst Latin American nations back in the 1960s. He did not remember their names. I had heard of something like this happening once in a time long past in a place far distant, but I hadn't given it any consideration. I hadn't paid attention. A war between two armies fought over something so silly as a sport. What could possibly be the point of learning about that? The soccer war was, indeed, a real event. Though the scope and duration were not as broad and definitive as more well-known wars of the time, it did merit at least a few pages in a book written by a celebrated war correspondent. Perhaps there was more to it than just those few pages. Perhaps it was worth paying some attention to. Indeed, there are moments when no one seems to care, when loneliness is one's only companion. We struggle against isolation despite living in a world where we never seem to be alone. It is important to care, to pay attention. 
Perhaps those moments are when it is the most important to care. We, in the aforementioned relative safety and distance of 21st century United States, tend to disregard, to make light, to joke about that which we didn't or don't pay attention. Our jokes about offense, our diminishment of suffering inflicted, our resentment of victims supplant our concern, diminish our interest. We turn to sarcasm, comedy choked by ironic stand-up sets, podcasts, and cheap sarcastic websites laden with comments and articles from flailing joke writers and game show hosts lost in a time bereft of game shows. We do this because we do not think that it could possibly matter, and the effect is to deride those for whom life and death are the only options presented to them on a given day. We seek to make our lives pass in quiet and peace. However, peace and quiet are not ubiquitous, despite what we choose to see. Peace and quiet sometimes, quite often actually, are luxuries enjoyed by those who do not pay attention. It is only through a unique determination of the will, the human will, that we cross the borders of our quiet land, open up the gate, tear down the wall, and step into risk. For those events and trips that are too distant or too difficult to make, there are those of us whom we may call journalists who might go where we can't, pay a price that we won't, and assume the risks that we don't. Though we may not pay attention to what they tell us until years later, when they are voices from history, perhaps even deceased. Ignorance is not a reward. Failure to see violence and suffering is not achievement. It is failure. I followed the threads in this project to places, people, and organizations that had a fundamental involvement in this old and ongoing human tragedy. A tragedy that I had no idea about. I did not want them to be involved, but they were. To say that they have blood on their hands is to understate their involvement. To expand on that metaphor, they are soaked past the elbows, past the shoulders, up to their necks. They will not drown, however, not if they can help it. They would rather claw upward upon the bodies and souls of the uninvolved to save themselves, if only for a few dollars more, or a few seconds longer with the political party of their choice. There is no single faith to blame, no single party, no single ideology. The places, people, and organizations at the ends of the threads I found are from all across every spectrum that you can imagine. They cross race, religion, gender, politics, indeed, any identity. All I can ask is that you trust me with your attention. If you do, I will prove to you the truth, recorded in history, which, spoken so many times in their own words, the people involved in this story told and are still telling the truth of which you and I are a part. 
We are in the fortunate position here in the present to be able to learn just how brave and kind and also how cowardly and cruel humans can be. 50 years ago, there was a war fought between the Central American nations of El Salvador and Honduras. This is why you should pay attention now. The war is here. It's all around us and under our feet. It's in the things in which we don't want it to be.